This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hi there, Dr. Jen Lincoln here. I can't come to the phone right now, but we'll likely have an opening later on. Please leave me a message and I'll be at your cervix. I mean, <laughs> service in no time. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Let's Talk About Down There podcast. I'm your host, board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. And this week's episode is all about C-sections. Just how risky are they really? And I'm excited because this is the first one specific to pregnancy and birth that I'm doing on the pod. So let's get going. I do want to throw up a quick content warning here that I am going to be discussing birth trauma, what it is and aspects of it. And so if that's something that you're not ready to handle, you may want to skip this week's episode. Let's have a listen to these two questions I got from callers that are related, not quite the same, but I'm going to be covering both of them today. Hi, Dr. Jennifer. I would love to learn more about risks and maybe like considerations when having a C-section. I had a really traumatic vaginal birth with my first and I'm kind of nervous about having another vaginal birth and was considering just having a scheduled C-section, but I'd love to know what your professional opinion would be with that and just some concerns and uh, things to think about. Thank you. Okay, and now on to the second question. Hi, this is Anessa, and my question is in regards to what you were talking about, pregnancy risk. What do you think about C-sections? And is it true that after one C-section, then you cannot have a natural birth after? Okay, so I want to focus to my first caller and say, I am so sorry. You mentioned having a traumatic birth, and I do want to talk about that because not everyone might know what you mean. Raise your hand if you think a traumatic birth means that something physically went wrong, like physically to your vagina, there was some sort of trauma there, or your baby had to go to the NICU because there was a problem. Or raise your hand if you think it's because you were mistreated by staff and you had an emotional experience that wasn't what you were hoping for and it caused emotional trauma. Guess what? It's all of these and then some. There's another phrase for birth trauma. It's obstetric violence. And if you're like me, when you first heard that term, you thought, whoa, that's a really strong word. But I think that it really captures what we're going for here, which let's review the following definition from the American College of OBGYN. So what they say is obstetric violence is a non-medical term that's been used to refer to situations in which a pregnant or postpartum individual experiences disrespect, indignity, or abuse from healthcare practitioners or systems that can stem from and lead to loss of autonomy. They go on to say that these situations may include, for example, repeated or unnecessary vaginal examinations, having an episiotomy that you didn't need, forced cesarean delivery, those sorts of things with more subtle manifestations might be not listening to patient symptoms or differential treatments based on the color of your skin or substance use or other characteristics. So I think this definition is a good starting point. And I think in a much simpler term, we can say birth trauma or obstetric violence is where you feel like you've been treated like an object and not a person. I wish this was something that's not common, but sadly it's estimated about one third of people who give birth experience some kind of birth trauma. So to my first caller who discusses this birth trauma as a reason she may be considering avoiding a vaginal birth again, and thus planning for a C-section, 
And she's asking me what my opinion is. My opinion is, I can't speak to your case directly or give my direct opinion, which I know is frustrating, but I can say that I'm sorry this happened. And maybe I can give you some information to help you make a choice that feels right for you based on your prior situation and what you want from this next birth. So here's what I would recommend for you. I would want you to revisit your birth again when you're ready. And not everybody is ready to dive into that immediately postpartum or on their own, meaning that sometimes needing to engage with a mental health provider is needed and is absolutely okay. And when I say dive into it or, or visit it, what I mean is going over what happened. What was it that was traumatic for you? Was it a medical scenario? Was it a particular provider? Or is it potentially something that you can't control? I want you to dive into the emotions of this. I would want you to look into and, and say, was this more of a physical trauma or an emotional trauma? And where is your body and your mind at right now? Not that one is harder or easier, but sometimes focusing in on specifically what is giving you pause on potentially wanting a vaginal birth again can really help you overcome it and see what it is that you might need in order to make a decision that's right for you. So now for the question about risks of a cesarean section. This can be an easier, easy answer, and also one that I can't ever say a yes or a no to, meaning, you know, that for you, always a C-section is riskier or it's not. So here is what I can tell you about C-sections. Starting off with big picture here is that when it comes to needing or wanting a C-section or performing one, that it's all about the individual scenario. And in that moment for us deciding the individual risks and benefits for you, the person in front of us. But let me give you some overall information that might help you in your choice. So in 2020, which is when we have the most recent data in the United States, 31.8% of live births were done by cesarean section. That's like one in three. And when it comes to people having their first C-section, that accounted for about 21 out of 100 live births. So for people who've not had a C-section before and their reason for a C-section isn't a repeat, your chance of having a C-section is about 20 out of 100. However, those numbers aren't the whole story. There's huge racial disparities. So in 2018 to 2020, where we have average data in the U.S., cesarean birth rates were highest for Black birthing parents, with about 35.8% of babies being born to Black birthing parents being delivered by C-section. The second highest group was in Asian and Pacific Islanders at 32.6%, white birthing parents 309 and the lowest being in Indigenous people, Alaska Natives, 28.9%. There's also disparities based on zip code. For example, in the state of Mississippi, 38% of their births are done by cesarean section, and that rate is only 27% in Colorado. Like, obviously, there's lots of things at play here. So here's what I can tell you about cesarean births. They are major abdominal surgeries. Now, I wish I could show you what a C-section looks like. There's lots of that stuff out there on social media and on YouTube, both, you know, actual births and animated ones or ones using models. And I think that they can be helpful to see. But these are major surgeries. We make an incision on the skin right above the pubic hairline. We go down through the fat layers. Yes, everyone has fat and there's no shame in that. We make an incision in what we call the fascia. This is sort of a tough layer that keeps your insides in and your outsides out. We separate the abdominal muscles in the middle. There's this thin lining called the peritoneum, which is kind of the lining of your abdomen. We enter that and then we see your uterus and we make an incision in the uterus, break your bag of water if it hasn't already been broken, and then we deliver your baby. And all those layers we went in, we've got to put those layers all back together on the way out. 
this is a major surgery. So it's not something that's just super simple. And we go, oh, everybody can just do this. And like I said, this accounts for about one third of births. Cesarean deliveries, they do have some things associated with them that we don't love. For example, longer hospital stay. So after a vaginal birth, you might go home the next day or two days after. And for cesarean births, anywhere from two to four days after you give birth. We know that when you have a cesarean birth, you're going to more often lose more blood this way than if you were to deliver vaginally. There's also risks associated with the surgery itself. So risk of infection, even though everything we use is clean and sterile and we use antibiotics and we are very careful, there's still that risk of infection. There's also the risk of injury to the organs around where we work, specifically the bladder and the bowel. And if you've had surgeries before or have any reason for scar tissue, such as potentially endometriosis or prior infections in the pelvis, makes it more likely to have scarring, so more likely to have an injury. And there's a risk to injury to the baby. So when we're going into the uterus to get the baby out. Now, these are things that I counsel all my patients about when I'm going through a consent for a cesarean delivery. And I do say these risks are there, but they're rare and we're very careful, but we do have to talk about them. There's also some risks of some more scary things like stroke, blood clots, heart attacks, and yes, death when we are talking about C-section compared to vaginal birth. These are even more rare. So I talk about them but I don't try to scare my patients when I'm talking about them. And of course, there's things that we can do to make these things less likely. Having a cesarean delivery also makes your future pregnancies a bit riskier. So the biggest thing that most people talk about is uterine rupture. And I'm going to be talking about that more a little bit later on in relation to my second question. And this is when the incision where you've had your C-section opens up while you're still pregnant or in labor, which can be catastrophic both for you and your baby. We'll talk about that a little bit later but I will tell you it's rare. The other risk when you've had a C-section before for future pregnancies is risks where your placenta attaches in your future pregnancies. You're at a higher risk for something called placenta previa or placenta accreta, which is when your placenta attaches abnormally, usually to that prior C-section scar, which can make your next pregnancy much higher risk for bleeding or needing a hysterectomy. Now that all sounds really scary, but let's talk like actual numbers here. Like how likely is that to happen? And there was one really nice study done out of Canada where they compared women who were pregnant with one baby and showed that in the women who had a vaginal birth versus those who had planned to have a C-section. So didn't labor, but had had a, a planned C-section. They found that the overall rates of what we call severe morbidity or things going wrong for the entire time that they looked during this study, they found that out of a thousand deliveries, that risk of severe morbidity was 27 out of a thousand for people who had a planned C-section and only nine out of a thousand for those who had a planned vaginal birth. So the risk was much higher, still not a slam dunk for everybody, but you know, just something to keep in mind. This is why we don't talk about just having, you know, people deliver by C-sections all the time. I know this sounds like a lot and it sounds like C-sections are really risky. And it's true that there are some things that happen in C-sections that just aren't going to happen as often or ever with a vaginal birth. And that's why we only do them when we have to. And here's a quote as somebody who operates, a quote that I do love is, the best surgery 
is the one you never perform. And that's because that means that nothing can go wrong from it. Now, of course, that's not applicable here because it's not like your options are have a C-section or just don't have a baby, right? Like we're comparing a C-section to a vaginal birth. So I'm not saying that that's totally applicable here, but it's something that we think of. And that's why it's not always that straightforward for everybody. So what would I suggest if you're considering a planned C-section because your last vaginal birth went poorly or was traumatic? I would want to have you consider the following things. I want to know how many babies are you planning? Is this your final pregnancy and birth or do you want to have a family of 10 kids? Because that does make a big difference in how risky each of those future births might be. I'd want to know what went wrong last time and is it controllable this time? Is it that your birth was traumatic because the provider you had just didn't listen to you and was absolutely horrible? And maybe now you could find somebody who you trust and you partner and you feel better with or is it something else that might happen again Like, I don't know, maybe you had a really bad tear and you're worried that you might tear again really bad and you want to have a C-section to avoid that. Like, really important to understand that. I would want you to understand that recovery is very different. That For a lot of people, having a recovery after a C-section is harder than for a vaginal birth. But again, that's not the case for everybody. But I would just want you to be aware of those differences. For example, if you've got a little kiddo at home and now you're recovering from a surgical birth, It's going to be a bit more challenging if your two-year-old wants you to constantly be picked up or if you're the only one at home and you don't have help. So just things we'd want to know. I'd also want to know what other risk factors do you have that could make your cesarean birth, your surgery more risky? For example, are you a smoker? Do you have very poorly controlled diabetes? Do you have a blood clotting disorder that makes it much more likely that you could have a blood clot that could cause some of these really concerning things like a stroke? Those are things we'd want to walk through. I would also want you to know that it's okay for you to take time to decide that you don't have to know how this baby is going to come out of you when you first pee on that stick and get that positive pregnancy test. And guess what? Even if you schedule a repeat C-section at 39 weeks and you show up that morning and for some reason that just doesn't feel right to you and you change your mind last minute, you can do that. And the same goes for the opposite way of that decision. So It's a team effort, it's an ongoing decision, and it's all about what feels right for you. Now, if you're asking, what about for baby? Isn't it better for my baby to be born vaginally than by C-section? We usually say, yeah, it is. And it seems like there's a different news story every day about how C-sections are terrible for babies. And at the end of the day, babies born by C-sections aren't going to be as healthy. They're not going to breastfeed as well. Their brains aren't going to develop as well. I want to tell you that at the end of the day, what we have the biggest data for is differences in respiratory stuff. So we know that babies born by C-section sometimes need a little help with their breathing initially. And that's really related because they're not coming down the birth canal and getting all that extra fluid squeezed out of their lungs as they do it. So sometimes they need a little extra help getting that fluid out of their lungs when they're born. That might sound really scary, but for most babies, it's just a little extra suctioning. And sometimes they need a little extra help with those first few breaths, but this is not a slam dunk guarantee for every baby born by C-section. So there's one part of it, but I don't want you to focus on that too much. Before I move on to the next question about C-sections, let's take a moment and head to school for this week's Class is in Session, where we hit up this week's Teachable Moment. Welcome to the health class you wish you had in high school. This week's Teachable Moment is talking about where did the term cesarean come from anyway when we're talking about cesarean section? And maybe you've heard a little bit about this before or not, but I love diving into the history of medicine and these sorts of things. So that's what we're doing this week. 
There are lots of references to C-sections being done in ancient history, as we've seen in writings and in drawings. And it's been believed to be named for how Julius Caesar was born. Like, that's why it got the name Caesarean section. But actually, many disagree with this because his mother lived. And back in the old days when we did C-sections, yeah, the moms didn't live because they didn't have antibiotics or like real surgical tools or any sort of understanding about how the body worked in the way that we do now. So that probably isn't how it got its name. And just so you know, C-sections used to only be done when that pregnant person was dead or dying to save the baby or for religious beliefs that the mom and the baby had to be buried separately. So another idea where we think maybe the term came from was that Roman law under Caesar decreed that all women who were so fated by childbirth must be cut open, hence the term cesarean. Now, I'm not sure why would they make this law anyway. And lastly, another idea of where this word may have come from is that there is um, a Latin word which was the verb cadare. I could totally be pronouncing that wrong, but it's C-A-E-D-A-R-E. So you can see how that's related to cesarean, and that means to cut. So what I'm telling you is that we don't really know where it came from, but these are some ideas. And I thought while I was researching this, what I thought was really cool is why the word section, right? We don't call any other operation a, you know, whatever section. Kind of strange, but until the 16th and 17th centuries, we used to call it a cesarean operation. This began to change in 1598 with the publication of a book by Jacques Guillemouet. I don't know. Every Parisian everywhere and every French speaker probably hates how I'm pronouncing these things. But he wrote a book on midwifery in which he introduced the term section. So there you go. Oh, and remember how I was like, you know, the, when we did these, the patient always died or it's because she was already dead. It wasn't only in the 1800s that they thought, hey, maybe we can save the pregnant mom too. So thanks for that, guys. Thanks so much for trying to finally keep us alive. With that, class dismissed. Okay, let's switch gears now and focus on a different question I often get about C-sections and what happens with your next pregnancy. So let's listen again to that question and jump into that. Hi, this is Anessa, and my question is in regards to what you were talking about, pregnancy risk, what do you think about C-sections? And is it true that after one C-section, then you cannot have a natural birth after? Okay, I am so glad you asked about what happens after you've had one C-section. Do you have to have another? Or can you opt for something called a TOLAC or a VBAC? Yeah, I'm going to tell you what that is. And yes, it's true. We have abbreviations for everything. Okay, so a TOLAC, or T-O-L-A-C, stands for Trial of Labor After Cesarean. So it's the act of trying to have vaginal birth after you've had a C-section before. So laboring, you know, trying to get that baby out vaginally. A VBAC, or V-B-A-C, is a vaginal birth after cesarean. So that's after you've labored and had a successful TOLAC, you have had a VBAC. Yeah, it's a so it's true. There used to be this idea or this thought, you know, where people used to say once a C-section, always a C-section, meaning once you've had one, that's how all your babies have to be delivered afterwards. And why is that? It's because people are focusing on the risk of uterine rupture, which is like I kind of mentioned before, it's where your prior C-section scar, for whatever reason, whether it didn't heal correctly or it's under too much stress during a subsequent labor, it opens up and it ruptures. 
And sometimes we see these when we just happen to be doing a repeat C-section or somebody's tried to have a vaginal birth and for whatever reason it doesn't work out and we have to go have a C-section. We might happen to see that that scar is separated a little bit or it's really thin. But also in other times we see it in what we call a catastrophic uterine rupture. So somebody's in labor and all of a sudden there's a lot of bleeding or the baby's heart rate looks terrible or the baby who was previously very low in the pelvis is now very high up and it's because that incision has separated and that baby has actually completely or partially come out through that incision and is now floating around in the patient's abdominal cavity. It's an emergency. Both the pregnant person and the baby can die because of internal bleeding. It's a really scary situation. So you can understand why people who are afraid of that might have said, oh, geez, no, we cannot. <laughs> Once you've had a C-section, we cannot have a risk of that. And you always have to deliver by C-section. That would make sense if that risk is really high, right? Well, let's figure out if it is. But just some historical data here. Between 1970 and 2016, the cesarean delivery rate in this country, in the U.S., went from 5% up to 31%, based a lot on this thinking and a lot of other things too, like electronic fetal monitoring and fear of lawsuits. Thankfully, during this time, doctors started to rethink this and think, wait a minute, look at how our C-section rates have skyrocketed. Maybe we actually should be trying for a vaginal birth after cesarean or a VBAC. And during that time frame, we saw a bit of a reversal. The rate of VBACs went from only 5% in 1985 up to 28% by 1996. And that sounds really good, right? Except that with the increased number of VBACs, we saw more complications like uterine rupture which was still rare, but because we were having so many more VBACs, we just saw more of them, right? That denominator was different. It just seemed like it was happening all the time. So this and the continued worsening medical legal climate really put a damper on this trend. And so unfortunately, by 2006, the VBAC rate, it went back down and it dropped to 8.5%. And the total C-section delivery rate had increased to kind of like we talked about, about 31%. And some hospitals stopped offering VBACs altogether. So to answer your question, most people who've had a C-section before can opt for a TOLAC in the future if they want. It is true that there are a few scenarios where we wouldn't recommend it. And really the biggest of those is the type of incision you've had in your previous C-section, whether or not that type of incision puts you at a higher risk of uterine rupture. So the type of cesarean section that we do in the vast majority of C-sections is something we call a low transverse C-section. And I'm not talking about the incision on your belly. I'm talking about the incision on your uterus, which unfortunately you can't see. And these are the kinds that are not associated with a very high risk of uterine rupture. The kinds where we do an up and down incision on your uterus, that's called a vertical incision. Those are associated with a much higher risk of uterine rupture, and we do not recommend laboring again. These are often done only in emergency situations or if you're very preterm. And so if you're not sure, go ahead and ask your doctor who did your prior delivery or ask your current provider to look up those records, or sometimes you can look up those records on your own. And then that can help inform you about whether or not you might be considered a good candidate for a VBAC in the future. Now, another question I often get with people who say, well, what if I don't want to have a C-section again, or I'm thinking about it, how do I know if I'm going to be successful? The good news is that most published data look at when people are attempting a VBAC, they succeed and they have a vaginal delivery about 60 to 80% of the time. There's this thing called a VBAC calculator, and I think it can be a really helpful tool. And anybody who's considering a VBAC should use this calculator. 
And I know it sounds weird, like a calculator, what are you talking about? I will put the link in my show notes, but what it does is it takes into account a bunch of different factors that can help you figure out what your chance of success might be with trying a TOLAC. So this is a calculator where you put in some data, such as the reason you had a C-section, if you've given birth vaginally before, and a few other data points, and it spits out a number, for example. 72%. And that just gives you a bit more information of you're really likely to be successful if you try to labor again versus, you know what, that rate was only 20%. And the American College of OBGYN does very clearly state that it's not like you have to hit a certain number in order to go for a VBAC. They just say it's a helpful data point. And you want to know a really gross fact? There used to be the consideration of race and ethnicity in this calculator. And it was only in 2021 that this was taken out. It was previously thought that if you indicated that you were Black, you would lose points in this calculator. So they were attributing just your race or ethnicity as to a reason about whether or not you might be successful. What they weren't thinking with this is that there are a lot of other reasons that were playing into it, not the color of your skin. It might be that you were getting different care or that there were other issues with your pregnancy that weren't being taken seriously because of your race or ethnicity. I think it's gross that it took until 2021 for this to happen. That is definitely a topic for another day, but thankfully the updated version does not have that anymore. So yes, thankfully it's not once a C-section, always a C-section anymore. And the American College of OBGYN says that it's reasonable to offer a TOLAC or an attempt at a VBAC after even having two C-sections. We don't have a ton of data beyond two C-sections. So in general, providers do not offer that. But if you've had one or two C-sections before, it can be considered. We do know that the risk of uterine rupture, which I've said up until this point is rare, it's less than 1%, which is pretty rare. And when you've had another C-section, that risk is probably still about that rate. So that's why we say that even after two C-sections, you can have a trial of labor. Now, despite all this, and despite the American College of OBGYN saying that this should be an option, I am gonna be very transparent and say not all hospitals offer this. If a hospital does, Not all doctors offer this because they might be afraid from a medical legal standpoint. And trust me, that frustrates me. And I hear you if you're frustrated. And it's very easy for me to say, we'll just find another doctor who will offer that. Because in some places, that's very easy, right? Like a city, that might not be the case in a rural location. It's very frustrating. I will say when hospitals don't offer them, it's usually for safety reasons. So we say that in order to be able to have a trial of labor after cesarean safely, there's a few things that have to happen. There has to be an OBGYN immediately available in the hospital, as well as an anesthesiologist in case there is a uterine rupture and we need to do an emergency delivery. That also means that we need immediate access to an operating room. Where I work in my city, that's not even a consideration. Of course we have those things, but in other places, that might not be possible. There might not be enough anesthesiologists in the region where they can be in the hospital. And so the hospital is not able to offer it safely. So I do understand that. So what should you do if you might be interested in a TOLAC? Well, you should discuss it with your doctor or your midwife early. Don't wait until your 37-week appointment to discuss it, only to find out that your provider doesn't offer it, or they're scaring you out of it, or your hospital doesn't offer it. So being able to have this conversation early is really important. I think looking at that calculator, and you can access this yourself, and I'll have that link in my show notes, or talking about it with your provider together can be really helpful too, especially if you're on the fence. I think reading up on birth preparation is another really important piece of advice because it can really help you feel more comfortable with having a TOLAC or more comfortable going through the labor process if it's something you haven't done before or you did before, but 
didn't get to the point of pushing. And so you just don't feel really informed. And being informed is being empowered. I also think being flexible is key. I think it's great to have a plan, but know that sometimes things change. And I'm not saying that you should be talked out of something or scared out of something that you want. But just know that if you've had a C-section before, it does make this pregnancy a little higher risk and your labor a little higher risk, not by a ton, but it does. And so just having flexibility to understand that how things might end up might not be how you plan and just optimally preparing mentally and physically really helps. And I do want you to know that when having a TOLAC, your labor might be managed a little bit differently. For my patients and for lots of patients who are having this, and this is really what the American College of OBGYN says, we should be continuously monitoring your baby's heart rate. And that's where you wear the little belts and we can see the baby's heart rate. And that's because one of the first signs of uterine rupture can be when that heart rate goes down to a dangerous level. There are some other things too that we might do differently in your labor, but for the most part, that's really the biggest change. Okay, before I wrap this up, we got to do this week's literally, literally segment where I say, are you literally kidding me? And this is a TikTok where we're going to listen to it. And the first half is the TikTok and the second half is this person responding to it. And I'm going to give you my response to all of that. Let's have a listen. So apparently if you give birth via C-section, you didn't give birth to your child. So I don't normally stitch stuff like this because I try to keep my page as positive and happy as I can, but this is the second mutual or friend, whatever you want to call it, who I've seen where people have told them that because they've had a C-section that they didn't give actual birth or that they're not a mom. And let me say, what the actual... Okay, I love how she responded to this and whispered the she was holding her little baby because I would have said it loud and proud. Yes, people are really saying this on social media and elsewhere that a cesarean birth doesn't count as a birth. Like, I'm sorry, but does that mean that people who are born by C-sections don't get to celebrate birthdays? This is ridiculous and it's completely infuriating. And I think it's just another example of how we are shaming parents, specifically mom shaming, that there's this idea of like what's considered the perfect parent, right? You had a vaginal birth. It was completely unmedicated. You breastfed right away. You went home and you did all, you know, all your baby products are organic and all these things. And I just call BS like enough, enough. And when I especially see other women and those assigned female at birth, shaming people giving birth and saying that if you somehow had a C-section, you took the easy way out. Friends, hang out with me do a C-section with me one day and see that it's not a walk in the park. And that any way that you get a watermelon-sized bean out of your body, whether you eject it out through the vagina or you use the sunroof and you have a C-section, yeah, that's birth and that's enough. So let's stop it. Literally, literally, just stop. Okay, that was infuriating, but let's sum up what we talked about today. Giving birth can feel scary, no matter how you do it or what happens. But birth trauma is real and it can leave some moms really scarred and not wanting to have a vaginal birth again. And I hear you. Cesarean births are something we OBGYNs, we do every day, but that doesn't mean they're not without risk. And so that said, how you birth is up to you and it is your choice. And making an informed choice is the best choice that you can make. If you've had a C-section before, 
uh, trial of labor after cesarean or a VBAC can be an option for a lot of you. And you need to talk to your doctor or your midwife to really figure out what might be the best for you and what they are able to provide for you. And lastly, stop telling people who've had a C-section baby that they somehow haven't given birth because you are crazy and, and I will come for you. Um, legal disclaimer, I will not actually come for you. I will just be really angry and like report all your TikToks. Okay, that's enough. And I'm going to wrap this up and say that birth is personal. It's different for everybody. And just know that you should be seen and heard. And what is best for you is what's best for your baby. Okay, it's that time where I ask you to rate, review, and follow on your favorite podcast app because we know that's how we get more people talking. So call in at 503-893-2016 and join me online at Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. So let's keep the conversation going, my friends. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body and we're gonna answer them. Yeah.